Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with us as always is what? I'm Kevin Oakley, and with us as always is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak, who rewrote that. <laughs> Here, I, don't, yeah, I was I like, I thought have... my mind was melting. Like, that is Your not what melting. I normally say. <laughs> that is not what you say. Is I don't even know what you normally say because I remember I took over the last episode. I'm like, I read it. This it felt amazing. I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm so privileged. <laughs> so privileged. I'm so honored. I'm and so, so honored. then I had to put in what you normally have, and I just try to write it out. Ah, uh, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. But this there is yeah, this is 56, and we have Jackie this week. Hi, everyone. It's great oh, to hey, be Jackie. back, as always. As always. Yeah, another yes. one. How are you guys? Good. Jump into some story time. I feel like we always have really, really long episodes. And even if we try to make them shorter, it's not that. No, happen. I think this time we no, go the opposite direction. We try to make the longest one possible. I feel like <laughs> I haven't recorded anything in so long because I backed I the whole train up. I We yeah. had PCBC. Then I was in D.C. Now I'm going on summer vacation at the end of June. Just more travel than normal. I've been the holdup, but I, I think I wrote only one story out, but I, I have three. So we can make this Ooh. the longest one yet if we want to. Longest episode ever. That could just be the name of it. Three hours. So. Three hour long episode. <laughs> That's right. I just have to tell my in-laws, I'll be there by like eight I, tonight. I feel like there. we'd have You're to title the episode Payback. You know, like you didn't payback. hear us for so long. This is Payback. <laughs> right. Part one, two, three. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. All right, Andrew, kick us off. Yeah, kick us off. So this is a fun one. I just think people <laughs> I'm making need to you be... a t-shirt, by the way, that says this is a fun one. We <laughs> are making fun. They're all fun <laughs> ones. Everything is fun. <laughs> Everything is fun. That's how you should live your life. You should be filled with joy. Right? You should be fun. Yes. I, I agree. Think should... It's important. There you go. So this is a mucho fun one. Or actually it can be quite frustrating. This opposite. This is a very frustrating one. I think it's important for people when they're having conversations about cost per lead or just the number of leads or attribution, that A word, it's almost a four letter word in my mind because it's so complex Mm -hmm. to to understand and actually apply it to to your business. But just separating the types of leads you have when you are looking at cost per lead or conversion rates or, hey, where did that lead come actually come from? So in my mind, there would be, I guess we could say three or four different categories of leads, there'll be brand term leads. Like if you're bidding in Google ads, that'd be like just the name of your company, right? So that should Mm -hmm. have really high conversion rates and really low cost per lead, but you're kind of just robbing from organic search sort of. Right. Yeah. I think we, yeah. I mean, some people see it as boxing out competitors who are, and, and there's a little bit of that, but for the most part, when you see that happen, you end up seeing the paid ad right above the organic result. So it, it's yeah. a little bit like in old school times, we would put weekend directionals out and then in front of the neighborhood, you might put two. It's like, you're yeah. here now, for sure. You're here now. <laughs> you're here. And this that, is it. Exactly. So then you're just kind of, and in my mind, you're really just shifting where the leads, what bucket they're in. And so some agencies might do that where they're like, oh, look at all the leads. Cost per lead is amazing from paid search, but kind of leaving out the, the asterisk that like, oh, 30, 40, 50% of these are actually brand terms. So mm-hmm. the cost per lead is actually this. And that would be yep. the other type of lead would be non-brand term leads. Kind of those, those two buckets. 
And then within that, if we look at it at the community level, there would then be coming soon leads, which should be relatively inexpensive, just depending on if it's Facebook lead or a Google AdWords lead. So where did it come from? And then if you're using a landing page or not a landing page, and you could keep adding on all these different rules to it, but sure. coming soon community versus a normal actively selling community. Because one person is just getting on a list. The other person is reaching out saying, hey, I'm interested. I possibly want to visit or make an appointment. So the cost will be different. Conversion rates will be drastically different. So just having all those boxes separate and understanding that they will be different and that's okay, I think is yeah. really important. No, I just think there yeah. is a special place in HE double hockey sticks for people who try to directly <laughs> confuse <laughs> Sorry, I do have four, four young it. children still. We do the same uh, thing. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but there's acronyms. a special place there for marketers or ad agencies who try to confuse intentionally owners, division I presidents, agree. whoever, by merging those streams and not clarifying that in any way. I think that's yeah. that's the part where, especially like landing page, no landing page, that's an easy, it should just be an asterisk. In fact, about a year and a half ago, I joined a Facebook group. I think it's called Facebook Ads Betterment Society. Yeah, I think maybe name. Will Duderstadt even introduced me to it. And I, I oh, hung okay, cool. out there because it was interesting to see what other people might say. But just yesterday, someone posted in there a question to the group and it was, I'm confused why I'm still getting low quality or erroneous email and phone information from Facebook lead ads. Hmm. Even when I try to make a higher intent ad, it's still not right. And I just feel like it makes no sense because if people are giving me contact information, don't they want me to contact them? And I just cracked up, like laugh out loud, like you don't get it. <laughs> That's You're trying to just get a conversion as quickly as possible with as little context as possible. And yep. no, they don't. So they don't want you even marketers in Facebook groups like this one apparently don't understand sometimes yeah. the difference between what you just broke out. So yeah. I, and I, would, I would think like understanding that is, is easy to explain to whatever level, if you're having to go up two chains of like executive or whatever, if you're making a report for them, they will totally get coming soon versus normal actively selling community. It's not something they have to like, Oh, I'm gonna protect them from too much data. Mm -hmm. I think it's totally fair. Yep. Yeah. End of the fun story. Frustrating. <laughs> fun story. <laughs> Done. Love it. Awesome. Do you want me to dive in? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. So this week, I'm going to go into the power of word of mouth. And oh. like last story, this kind of has the same context with the carpets. So this past week, I had a family member get her carpets cleaned by a well-known, highly marketed company here in Pittsburgh. And unfortunately for her and them, she had a horrible experience. Oh, no. And when they cleaned the upstairs carpets, they used an overabundance of cleaner solution that went mm. through her floorboards upstairs and dripped from the ceiling down onto the hardwood floors on the first floor. Oh my wow. gosh. And I thought you were going to say they sucked up their cat in the machine. No, right, this, right. <laughs> this is worse. This is worse. Well, I exactly. Didn't know that, was possible. The, that is crazy. I didn't either. I didn't either. And so when. That reminds me of did you guys have to memorize poems in middle school? Or maybe fifth grade. Um, like, remember the poem "Spaghetti, remember. Spaghetti" all over the place. No, no? I don't okay. think I it's just me. I Never mind. Everyone wanted to do that poem, and it was just about spaghetti coming out of the pot, like filling up the whole house and under the oh, chairs. No. That's what, I'm, That's what I'm you immediately thought that. of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Well, and then, so what happened was when she went back to the company to see if they could either come fix, clean up, or help with a solution, they didn't do anything. They explained that that's how much they use for every house. They didn't really factor in the padding, different things with the carpet. And they just said, sorry. So in this hyper-connected world, where was the first place she went to vent after coughing up that $600 and being told tough cookies? Where do you think she... I think that Facebook... Facebook. If she yes. has a Twitter account, it's going there first, but probably exactly. the answer is Facebook. Well, yeah. Twitter would have probably gotten the step-by-step in the live, like live feed, I feel <laughs> like, if that was the case. But been, instead, it was this really not very nice Facebook post about the yeah. company just Shouldn't warning be. her yeah. friends, in or a sense, be. which I don't blame her. 600 bucks, I'd be pretty upset too. And so the post was shared by six friends. And I was following along because, again, it being a family member, I I totally understand. But one of the friends I didn't know uh, was going on and saying she was just horrified and actually canceled her upcoming appointment with them. So I don't know if you guys noticed this too, but I'm noticing an increase lately with people on Facebook who are posting for recommendations. They Mm want to know, you know, from the people they know. Yeah. So I was I was amazed. I was by, you know, going through some of these that people are asking for recommendations. And I was surprised by how many people actually speak up when asked. And just another one off the top of my head is uh, recently someone posted about a barber, any barber recommendations in the local area and had over 60 comments on it. Oh, wow. So it just made me think of the Nielsen reports about that 92% of consumers believe suggestions from friends and family more Mm -hmm. than advertising. And people refer others because they want to share something they love, not just because they might get a discount voucher for it or for future use. And that same goes with something negative when that happens as well. So there's much more to word of mouth advertising and marketing than just, I think some people go in with, do a good job and hope for a referral. And just 65% of consumers, someone, I forget where exactly I heard this, but they cut ties with the brand sometimes over just one single poor encounter. And so it's important to create an amazing customer experience and sharing it. So for home builders, I, I think if it's the testimonial side of things, you know, taking the time to collect and prominently displaying the honest reviews of the product and even if someone is willing to shout about the business, make sure you know that people get a chance to hear it and take it, capitalize on the good. Since so many people, I feel like now are quick to post negative. Yeah, I well, agree. And that's why the businesses have to go beyond because it mm-hmm. also feels kind of ridiculous to go live to Facebook and say, "Yay, this company showed up when they said they would," right? Like <laughs> right. that's. And and yet businesses all the time, not just home builders, but businesses are like, I don't understand. I'm doing what I said I would do and I'm not getting enough good reviews. And well, mm-hmm. showing up while perhaps exceptional is not something that someone else wants to brag about for about right. you. Right. That's just I agree. It it made me also think of a lot of the referral programs that I've seen come up across. And I know being with a home builder in the past, I, I know those were very big, having those referral programs in place, the realtor programs. And I think it is true, the fact that I know when we built our house, we had everyone ask 
you know, friends and family, how was your experience? Do you recommend them? And I also know a handful of friends that built with the same company that, you know, got a mixture of good and bad. I know, Andrew, you've gone through this. It's fresh in the brain for you too. Oh, so super fresh, super, I, <laughs> super fresh. Yeah. So your I friends, just, I'm sure friends and family are hearing about your experience. Which and is, it's, yeah, which is crazy. Cause like just our area, I'm sure it's just like that where you are. It's like half of our friends could be possible buyers for this. Yeah. For I'm telling like, you, it's crazy. It's obviously the reticular activator system in my brain because it's what I do. But if I go to a soccer field, if I'm if I'm at a party, someone is talking about real estate and someone mentions mm-hmm. a community of new homes somewhere. And I'm always like, it's like radar. So like, like yeah. it's everywhere. It is. Yeah. It is. And there's so How many. You, Kevin? Yeah. Just keep keep going on that one. Word of mouth is is obviously huge. And it's the hardest to hack. Yeah. I mean, you can go viral, but that's different mm-hmm. than getting positive word of mouth. Have you yeah. heard right. is different than you have to hear. Like these are yeah. the best folks ever. Yeah. Maybe as you get older, you life gets crazy and you have less time to research as much. So the first thing you do is talk to friends and family. I think just making sure that customer experience is a good one and trying to fix any mistakes you can. If there's something that you... I was just shocked that the company didn't give her some uh, discount or money back or someone out. No, I know every situation is different, but that just stuck with me. You know, That's not good. And I feel like that probably really hurt the company at the end of the day. Yeah, well, and and the triple down bad thing that this company did is in a way they kind of blamed, they didn't just take no blame themselves. They kind of blamed your friend by obviously alluding to the fact that it must be her home or her carpet or like, it's not us that caused the problem somewhere. I mean, I remember when the Dyson vacuum cleaner first came out too. Yeah. At Heartland, people would call up all the time about, you know, a bunch of fibers or the carpet being pulled up and the carpet installer was like, eh, you know. Are you using a Dyson? Well, those are just too strong. They just suck up the carpet uh, too, too much. And so, sorry, don't use it. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but your vacuum is wow. the problem. It's like, oh, that's awful. Their first thoughts, the yeah, rock. Yeah, the carpet. Like, exactly. Everyone's buying this vacuum now. This is not going to work. This is not going to well, work. Well, the hype I've was got, real for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've got, I've got some positive word of mouth to share of my own, actually, Ooh. in my story. So Ooh. sweet. if you remember, I think it was episode 54, we talked about the, the door, D-O-R uh, product that you could put as a thermal camera above a doorway to do counting of, of traffic units. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. quick review, right? I found an email in the spam box. I set up a call, had the call. They're like, we can't tell you pricing. Someone else will tell you. Hadn't heard back from them since then, about three weeks ago. And an email shows up, I think in the promotions box. I don't know where it came from, but Michael, the CEO of the company, sent an email. Now, it looked like it came from a CRM. There's a a graphical header of the company logo. It's got his picture and then a footer. So it looks like a form letter that you get all the time from CEOs. And he's talking about, you know, when they started the company a few years ago, why they got in the business, that they've had some things, but they're they're working to make it all better. And, And at the end, he says, if you have a moment, I would enjoy hearing your biggest challenge with growing your business. Just hit reply and let me know. And of course, as marketers and somewhat skeptical folks, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? Like Michael's not getting this email, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead because I, I hadn't heard back from them. I know a couple other mm-hmm. builders had reached out and had similar conversations. We're like, well, I ha- talked for 10 minutes and I was supposed to hear back from someone else with pricing. And I was just like, I'm going to hit reply and I'm going to tell Michael... <laughs> and a very, I, I think this is nice. I'll just tell you exactly what I said. I said, I've referred many 
companies your way, and yet no one seems to be able to get actual pricing or order units yet. They keep getting stuck with someone else will follow up, but they never do. That's my biggest challenge. And to their credit, in two minutes, Michael emails me back nice. and includes other folks from the team as well. And uh, I think one of them is the head of their sales department. And so he hops in and is like, hey, let me know who these people were. We'll take care of them. I'm on a call with a builder partner, so I can't get back to them right away. He goes ahead and looks through the CRM and finds two of them in there. And it's like, mm-hmm. here's the latest with them. Here's who talked to them. He even goes back and he's like, I've listened to the podcast. Sorry to hear we ended up in the spam folder the first time, but super responsive. And I was like, okay, time out, guys. I'm let's separate these into two different buckets now. I still want to get home builders access to your product and information and see if this works or not. Because if it does, it'd be great. But at the same time, on a separate level, you've impressed me tremendously because I've replied to CEO letters before and get nothing because it just goes to the black box, mysterious, you know hole where mm-hmm. no one ever replies or looks at it. And so I was like, hey, here's the deal. Here's who we are. Here's what I'd like to help you with potentially if your product's great. You want to come on the podcast? And they're like, sure. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I think I think the CEO is going to come on oh my in gosh. a couple of weeks and yeah. talk to us. But I just was like, okay, as much as this is a kind of a technological product, we talk a lot about tech. We love tech and how great it is. And even though tech in the CRM sense was the thing that probably sent that initial email out, they had to have the human beings on the back end and it, it changed around everything because up until that point, I was starting to just slowly, not, not a huge deal to me really, but slowly getting more and more annoyed, less frustrated of, I've now put this company's name out there. I know some people are reaching out and, and I don't want anyone to have a bad experience. So I just thought that was awesome and I'm looking forward to having them on and we can talk about how their product works and other industries that have used it and just kind of the idea of counting traffic in general. And anyway, mm-hmm. that'll be... That'll be I am impressed. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be cool to have a few builders up and running and then I'm kind of like be able to tie those two episodes together. Right. That'd be like, yeah, all in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's great. Okay. So like I said, I'm just going to keep rolling because I got, I got two other fun you ones. Got a, I got a bunch. When I was at PCBC, had dinner with Steve Shoemaker. Uh, who else was there? That sounds like fun Steve. Steve's owner, Vernon. Even better. Yeah, even better. Those are two of my favorite people (laughs) in this industry. And we started talking about Disney, the company, (laughs) and how great it is. And one of them had even talked to Disney about doing training. I think Matt Riley was there with us. Maybe that was another one. Anyway, we were talking about it, how great they are and how good they do with customer service. And I kind of threw out there this idea that I don't think Disney, the company, could be a thing that started today. Because it's so inefficient how they do things. It's so incredibly inefficient that it's incredibly expensive to go visit a Disney park because it is such a unique experience, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't scrimp on anything. They repaint the park wherever necessary every night. They, yeah. you know, everything is, cast members are just sent out to cause random acts of, of magic to happen. And if you were to mm-hmm. tell a group of investors that we're going to, do this incredibly inefficient thing in today's hyper-efficient, hyper-technology-focused world, I just don't know that anyone would be able to, to start a company like that from scratch today. And so then we were like, well, let's think about the last decade. What companies kind of come close to that? You could argue that Apple, while older Amazon. than a decade, over the last decade has yeah. transitioned to Amazon, right? Those are the two mm-hmm. that we came up with. And yet Amazon is all about the business of not creating human interaction. Like... Yep. 
the magic, yeah. the original magic of I ordered something, it showed up in a box quickly, and that was convenient, is not wearing off, but there's no actual brand loyalty that I have to Amazon, the product delivery part of Amazon. I think Amazon Prime Video, I think I use Amazon Photos. There's other parts of Amazon that would be stickier for me, but if another company at scale said, we can ship you a product in, in two hours and it's easy and quick and we've got a great app experience and reviews and ratings and it was 5% less than Amazon, bye-bye Amazon, right? Like it's not... Yeah, yeah, true. It's not the same emotional level that when when Steve was talking about it, you know, they went around in a circle and with their sales team and everyone shared their Disney experience and like half the room cried, mm. you know, taking their like, family to Disney. Yeah, I feel yeah. like Disney, the film, the characters spanning how many, I don't even know, generations... Oh, is that's the, so true. I don't know if this is what the conclusion was, but like without that, Disney is not Disney. Like, yeah, Mickey it's Mouse. more the emotional factor, experience. Like yeah. all of sure. that, like a great grandmother all the way down to the grandchild that's a year or two old. And it's like, there's that character for everybody that is yeah. part of like the, the core. Well, the core and thing. I think even just growing up, I think back to my favorite family vacations and I'll, I'll sit here and say mine were, was going to Disney with my whole family. So mm-hmm. I, it's definitely a very emotional experience. And that goes experience. back to why I think it couldn't happen again, because the mm-hmm. inefficiency and then the requirement of decades of that inefficiency continuing to happen before yeah. you reach this tipping point of multi-generational, nostalgic, shared experience thing happening. But then the conversation also switched over to this amazing technology, which I'm just going to call an iPad on wheels. We'll put a link in the show note to what this is, but it's, you know, basically a Segway-like looking device, a wheeled base with a long pole. You put an iPad on top or an iPad-like device, has two cameras on it. And we were talking, I think it's Goodall Homes has used this in the wild. And we're talking about its use as basically an online salesperson letting someone come into a property. You open the door through that code and here is this iPad on wheels and and the online salesperson's face is there kind of like FaceTime, talking to you and following you around at least the first floor <laughs> because they can't go upstairs yeah. of the home answering questions. <laughs> yeah. That and seems really weird. It does it seem weird. And, like and I love yeah, hearing, I don't know if I'd like that. Yeah. Right. And we're, we're more techie folks. But Vernon said, you know, the first minute was a little bit strange. He said, but then it just became very, very natural to him. And he was, hmm. he was, it was like okay. someone else was there and they were talking to them. And it's relatively inexpensive. I think around three grand plus the iPad. That's not bad. I don't know if there's another service expense, monthly service expense to make it run. Anyway, we're talking about that. And the next day, this is a long story. This is what longest episode ever. Next day at PCBC, we're talking about the the keynote speaker was talking about, you know, change and disruption and technology and and talking about how humans and human thought and how important that are and storytelling and, and the human connection. And, and it just kind of brought it all back to me that Disney would never use an iPad on wheels to welcome you to Main Street USA, right? That would be way yeah, more efficient. Absolutely not. Yeah. It would be yeah. way more efficient. Oh, but yeah. if you're going to pay thousands of dollars to go on a trip, like that's not happening. Mm-mm. So I think it, to me, it cemented this kind of, new core thought process, which is as marketers or salespeople or technologists, we always want to find the best current solution using technology, but we also have to constantly remind ourselves that the best solution is a human solution. And so 
while the iPad on wheels may solve a problem of we can't hire a salesperson to hang out at every inventory home that's an hour away from each other just to wait for someone to walk by. I understand that you're not going to do that. That that might be how Disney would approach it. I don't know. But this might be the best solution for now. But we can't just say, well, check that off. We've solved that problem with technology because the best technology would be more like Uber saying, hey, I'm en route to go tour this home in the next 10 minutes and find a way using technology to connect a salesperson who's available to show up and be there live and in person. Yeah. Especially if they didn't have to drive and that person, say that salesperson could still kind of, if they're working, they could switch tasks, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like just Mm -hmm. their office is moving. They could just be in Uber all day, just going to different spots, not driving (laughs) while working, answering answering the phone. Which is really what? It's how the existing home market, the used home market functions. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So file this all under interesting slash just a story. But I think there's something there too, as you listen, that hopefully we spark some ideas in your brain. I'm going to save my third one for next week. But I've got so many more stories to share. Let's, Let's hop over to the news. Oh, let's see. And, and I have my quick, my quick live update. Oh yeah. Is, li- yeah. Yeah. I'll let's just do put that it first. in there because like Lindsay just, we, we haven't closed yet on the how, but there's been, <laughs> we had the private inspection. There's some things that were found. They're getting that fixed. Da, 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 da. And then Lindsay got a uh, email from, I'm 99% sure it's the division president, which she should not have his email. Oh, <laughs> that's another story. Anyways, it seems like we have our delay. We're supposed to close next Monday, next, next Monday, the uh-huh. 24th. Yeah. And it's like, hey, we should have a good idea of when that will be by the end of next week. We'll keep you advised. There's all the stuff he was referencing in the email. So yeah, oh, live boy. update, possible delay. We're going to be living in my parents' house or her parents' house yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Hopefully not too long. Yeah. I'm going to guess the week of July 15th. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I hope I might, I for guess. Andrew's sake, he, he may go crazy. I might find a hotel for that, for that amount of time. <laughs> yeah i'm sorry man we'll find out it's it's good i'm hoping that everything on your list of things that needs done yeah even if it means two two extra week or something just to have everything fixed when you move in it was mostly easy stuff but except if we remember back to the story of of having to get the trim corrected on the outside there was some uh roof damage to the shingles so and i don't think any houses are currently being roofed in the neighborhood they're all past that so I would assume that getting a roofer out for that little bit is probably their sticky point. That's I don't know. Not yeah. on the production side. No idea. Could be making that up. Giving them an excuse. But it still is That's like... That's hard though. 10 days. Regardless so. of the delay, you know, especially waiting for a house. I can imagine where you guys are at right now. You're just so ready. And- I started throwing stuff in boxes because I'm like, I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. It's yeah. stuff we don't use and stuff that I'm going to secretly try to just... I'm going to try to throw it away. Like, we don't need to open that. <laughs> we didn't use it last time. Like... Get rid of it. Good idea. Okay. End of that second story. Uh, Well, the good news for everyone listening is that the updates on the house will continue for a little while (laughs) because people love hearing the updates. updates. The peaks are going to make sure that continues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the news article number one from Realtor.com. The hottest housing markets in May may just surprise you. (laughs) So funny. So... I mean, typically you see California, Austin, Dallas, Houston, 
Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Vegas in the past obviously was a top 10 markets in Florida, North Carolina. Nope. Number one on the list right now, Rochester, New York, followed by Fort Wayne, Indiana, Man, followed okay. by Lafayette, Indiana, okay. then yeah, Boston, Midland, yeah. Texas, Columbus, Ohio, oh, yeah. Bucks, Manchester, New Hampshire, Spokane, Washington, Yuba City, California, and Pueblo, Colorado. Those are- wow. Those are different, yeah. Markets. That's not, yeah. Did they- typical. I feel like it's a affordability thing. Thinking about those, I, city I was just going to say that land. I'm trying to think, some of those did a big jump from the year prior. It has the listings like, uh, yeah, like Lafayette, Indiana was ranked thirty, and now this year's ranked number three. That's yeah, that's a big jump. Same with Fort Wayne, twenty-one to two. That I mean, that's incredible. Yep, wow, incredible jump. Columbus is no surprise. No, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out the link in the show notes. Check out on your own. Obviously, you want to look at how they're determining what even hottest means. It, they did say as a group, Realtor.com's hottest markets received 1.5 to three times the number of views per property compared to the national rates. So they're talking about people checking it out, not gotcha. necessarily purchasing or moving, but hmm. they're just talking about views per property that's on the market. So hmm. people so. Uh, demand, I, you could kind of interpret that yeah. as, I guess. Interest, yeah. Interest. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I do better. think you're right. It's, it's hmm. being driven by affordability, people telecommuting, having the yeah. flexibility to work from home or work remotely. And, you know, our builder in Albuquerque has seen that for a while now. They have a neighborhood pretty far out, but it's got gigabit internet. And so, you know what? You don't have to live in California anymore. You can right. come out here. And the mm-hmm. remote workers are like, that's amazing. I need that in my yeah. life. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, Midwest and the East kind of leading the charge here in recent months as things kind of adjust across the country. It's just interesting to keep an eye on. Nothing in the South. Mm -mm. That's not too surprising. No Florida. Oh, man. Is Uh, Facebook in trouble again? There's everyone in trouble. I think everyone's everyone's in trouble. (laughs) News article number two from the New York Times uh, on June 3rd. Antitrust investigations are being started or researched by our national government for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and Google. All for different variations, but part of this, you know, presidential, what do you call it? uh, Trumposaurus? I don't know. No, no, not not the current president. Just on the Democratic side, candidates coming towards nomination time. Uh, What do you call that? There's just a whole bunch of them. We got to get down to a few of them. Oh my gosh. There's like 30 of them, whatever. Primaries? Um, Primaries, yes. Democratic primary season. That's what I was looking for. They're just... Um, and it begins. It begins. A couple of them have kind of publicly shouted from the rooftops that they believe that some of these companies should be broken up. In particular, a Facebook being split into a Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, kind of separating them so that there's not hmm. centralized power. And that one of all these, maybe Google, I think Google and Facebook are the two biggest ones on the hot seat because... Yep. When's the last time a new search engine started gaining any momentum? Right. That's so weird. I need to learn more about antitrust to fully understand that. But it's like that the people create the people, us, the people, the users, like there are alternatives, but they were not good enough to catch on and be good. Right. In my mind, sort of, but there's maybe there's more to it that I don't understand. Um, no, it, it it is it is obviously like all things political, com, a little oh, more sure. complicated than it should be. But the easiest example is Instagram and Facebook 
adapting Snapchat approach to social mm-hmm. killed okay. Snapchat, right? Yep. So they like yeah. the the small little company is gaining traction, really becoming popular, and then is essentially made irrelevant through the monopolistic yeah. power True. of a Facebook, Instagram yep. com- combined company. Okay. Yeah. And Amazon with retail, right? Apple with their app store saying you have to, if you want to download an app, you've got to go through this ecosystem. And then uh, Google controlling not just the largest, but the second largest search engine in the world, YouTube. It's just, there is a lot of power this is true. in one spot. So just something to, to keep an eye on. You know, it's, it's yeah. kind of a Hail Mary. I, would, I don't know that anything is likely to actually come of it, but it is, if it does, like, can you imagine Facebook and Instagram truly competing against each other? That would be and what that would mean in terms of innovation, new opportunities for marketers. I think both good and bad things come from that. Or Amazon if, yeah. competing Google, against, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they have Amazon yeah. in there. Other than Amazon, their logistics kind of messing with UPS. I think it has and, more to do with Amazon basics. They're saying, look, you control the marketplace. Uh, okay. You can't. You watch and stuff. see that mm-hmm. beds in a box are selling like crazy. And then you come oh, out with yeah. your own generic Amazon bed in a box and you can promote it above other similar products because you own the marketplace. Mm. Interesting. I don't, I'm so, so like, yeah, that's very interesting. I'm so like the business pro business or I don't know the right word, but my mind, I'm like, so <laughs> yeah. what? Like, that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. It's, I feel yeah. like it's, at what level Always do you stop that? Competition. that? Yeah. Like, but again, oh. stop and think if, if Google and YouTube became different companies, and immediately Google says, you know what, we should get into video. And YouTube says, you know what, we should get more serious about search. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know no. that it is good. But as a consumer, it excites me that I may get change an even better video experience. I may get yeah. an even better search experience. Whereas Google's kind of been the same again for how long? It's true. It's only a matter of time that something new ends up starting to you know, come to the forefront. It's only, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. It hasn't. There really hasn't been anything new because it's almost impossible to like DuckDuckGo. Someone mentioned the other day on a podcast I was listening to that DuckDuckGo is growing. It's like, yeah, and it now encompasses like 1% of all searches. And that's like, is that one (laughs) of the secure ones? I think it's like encrypted That's the one where they said they'll never, they'll never sell your data to advertisers. Yeah. Mm, Or allow advertisers to. to I feel like Google would be a hard one to ever try to go into competition with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right, money. file the next one under Kevin still feels like he's right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Instagram <laughs> now starting to allow horizontal video. I still, I mean, until the television mm-hmm. becomes vertical. Yeah. I don't see vertical being <laughs> the dominant format. And this I was, yes, yeah, so this was more, I don't know. Do y'all use IGTV? I don't because I'm a weirdo. I don't personally. I, yeah. I have watched some things but maybe like three shows ever but it's not like a Mm -hmm. i guess it's for me it hasn't been a destination it's like oh that person put something on igtv that's interesting Mm -hmm. and it's just Mm -hmm. a video so that was the creators i don't like that word there's like the people that make content creators were pushing for horizontal and so ig will make it'll let you do both instead of only vertical i was gonna say kevin with your experience did you have any type of problem having it be vertical to begin with or is this no, a it's just, a, it, it is weird. It's like you're watching something through a keyhole. Yes, you naturally yeah. hold your phone that way, but your eyes are not a wide angle vertical lens. They're a wide angle mm-hmm. horizontal lens. Yep. And so it's just, it feels not, especially longer form content like on IGTV, 
it just feels it's kind of like when you put on a VR device for the first time and mm-hmm. you get this sense of being trapped or like inside of a box. You can still turn your head and look around. I don't know. I just I think it just makes sense that when people are making long form content, again, IGTV is designed for several minutes up to I think 60 is the limit or 30 minute mm. long content. Wow. To ask a content creator to make something that's only going to be used here, which means it has to be vertical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that length, like it's one thing to make a two minute video in multiple formats. It's another to make a 30 minute show in two different formats. It's just. And it's I agree. Like just to think of that content, the space context is just very small and limited. And I feel like we're creatures of habit naturally. I know anytime I have a video come on, I, I want to turn my phone. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. That would be, it'd be hard to watch something for a full hour like that. Yeah. yeah. Unless it was. Well, that's exciting yeah. news. Now it's. That's horizontal videos. Yeah, I hope they bring it to everything because, I mean, I think at this point, Instagram holding on to the square format is also yeah. kind of silly. It's like, really? Come on. Mm-hmm. Our it's phone's just, aren't square. I was so excited when you could zoom a picture out. I, I know with... <laughs> I was right. so excited as soon as that feature was enabled. Because uh-huh. for the, the longest time when it first came out, I do you guys remember that? You could only have a certain template size. Mm-hmm. For, yep. So, yep. small changes. Yep. And the last article, Andrew, did you drop this one in there? I did not, but I can iTunes. tell you all about it. Oh. Um, they're just they're Ooh. they're simply splitting iTunes into video, podcast, and music, so it won't be a Ooh. single destination. You'll have three separately, which is I've never really I've never used iTunes. I don't know why. Like I just never. Am I? Just am a I long weird? Time like, ago. I don't. I've never used it, so I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I do have on my phone. I already have those apps, and yeah. I do use. I don't use music app because I have I use Spotify, but podcast is the podcast app. I do use that one. So they're just splitting it. I'm trying to, I don't know a lot of people that use iTunes. I know Spotify is a big one with yeah, I think the podcasts and music. More people it would affect than what the article talked about is if you already own music. So if you purchase music versus you know, I do the streaming thing, um, you know, $10 a month, Spotify, however much it is, I have no idea. Um, but if you were to buy albums previously, you're like, whoa, 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 what happens to my stuff? It, it just gets organized where it would belong. So now you get three apps. Hmm. Have fun with three apps now. One to three. One yeah, to three. I, I'm part of that old geezer club. I think I have probably like $200 worth of music that oh I purchased my. from iTunes oh no. over the over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, as late as... At least it's one going, going to the same place. It's You yeah. didn't lose it all. Yep. Probably 2000. Uh, let's see. What year do you think? I started using Pandora first. Now I use Spotify, but I would imagine yeah. it was 2010, 2011. Well, what are the iPod so, shuffles? I feel like iTunes. That was so you, big to use for putting music on one of those nanos or the, when those oh, yeah, first came out. This, they're so tiny. And oh, the, man. Those just feel like... <laughs> the first commercials with like the white, you know, that is such an Apple brand thing, the white headphones. Yeah. And they're, I think they were like the silhouette of the people dancing and they had the white headphones. I think, unless I'm crazy. Yes. Remember that. Yeah. Man, Man, how things change. Things change. Don't own anything. Cool. You lease, lease the music. So that just, world continues to change. Yeah. Unravel. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to be joined by Dennis O'Neill, who attended Facebook's developer conference. He actually got to see Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg sweat in person around issues of privacy and more. So we're going to check in and see where things are headed, what he saw while he was there, and its impact for home builders. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to this week's 360 topic of the week, the Facebook fear factor with a someone who is very not scary, Mr. Dennis O'Neill, founder of O'Neill Interactive. Dennis, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to be a thanks, part Dennis. of the show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> first-time awesome. caller, first-time caller. Awesome. What a fun name, Fear Factor. Ooh, it's going to yep. get crazy. And we love uh, superhero analogies because I couldn't figure out how to make Star Wars analogies work, but superhero <laughs> ones do. So tell us briefly your origin story because you were a builder or worked for a builder, right? Yeah, originally? yeah. Originally, that's uh, sort of my first entrance into the industry. I started as a... Well, I guess really a new home sales trainee. It oh. feels like forever ago, way back in January of 2000. I started working for Ryland Homes, which has now been absorbed twice and is now part of Lennar. But I worked for Ryland Homes in the Baltimore market. It was a trainee for a couple months, obviously, and then ended up being a salesperson for about four years or so. And then I spent oh. another four years with Ryland in some sort of variation of sales and marketing management position. Did you ever get a chance to meet Jim Ryan? So I had just somebody just asked me that question too. And I did get to meet Jim Ryan, but not actually until about two years after I left the company. Okay. Yeah, really interesting guy. He was he was brought in to our local. So Maryland does an annual trade show, much, uh-huh. much smaller, of course, and do it at the fairgrounds. But the local BIA brought him in to speak to all the members. Yeah. And really interesting guy. And, and over the years had already, by that point, I had met his two, two of his sons. I'd met Pete and Jim Jr. because they're both builders. Mm-hmm. So just sort of we'd done a little bit of work here for, over the years for them here and there. But it was really interesting to, uh, to finally meet the guy that started the company that really got, my, got me started in the industry. Yeah, this is nothing about anything, but it's Ryan, the <laughs> Ryan family name. Of course, mm-hmm. there's different Ryans everywhere, but that's kind of known as the first family in home building, kind of like the Bush family or the Kennedys, right? It's just this dynasty. And Ed Ryan started Ryan Homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, His brother, Jim, then started Ryland. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I don't if it's made up, there's no fact checkers out there, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure Jim Ryan was started one of the first master plan communities. That was kind of, he split off from Mm -hmm. Ryan proper. It was like, I'm going to go down South and start my own Columbia. Yeah, yeah, Columbia, Maryland. Yeah, it was one of the first huge. Okay, so it wasn't huge, South; huge. it was in Columbia. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Columbia, gotcha. Maryland. Well, I mean, I guess at the time they were Pitt, like Pittsburgh, right? Like, isn't that sort of where yep. the company's yep. headquarters? Yeah. So the, so yeah, so we headed south to Columbia, Maryland, and that community. So Ryland was still building Columbia when I started. I mean, it's tremendous. It's it's basically it is the county seat in that area, and it's, I want to say the. They had finished the last, so there were seven villages in Columbia. So they finished <laughs> wow. the last home in the last village while I was an employee at Ryland. And Ryland started in 67. So 40 years probably <laughs> that they were building Columbia out. Never ending yeah. community. No. Well, the redevelopment was starting by the time I was leaving, right? So they were already yep. picking some of the early projects and starting over again. So, so I, I got to meet Ed Ryan before he died uh, two or three times. And one time this old man with a cane just like walks into my office and I'm doing, I'm a marketing VP at the time at Heartland and Sky walks in. He's like, where's Marty? Who was the <laughs> company president at Heartland. I said, well, Marty's office is right next to mine, but he's not here. A lot of times he wasn't there because uh, he was out looking at land and uh, he's it's like, can I help you? Well, I'm Jim Ryan. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I just start shaking. <laughs> 
And uh, he's like, I'm looking for Marty because he should start a board and I want to be on it. Mm. And then he walked out. That was pretty much all my interaction with Jim. That Ryan. was it. Anyway. Funny. He was an interesting <laughs> guy. He really was. I liked he's got to be worth is... so much money. And you're like, shouldn't oh, you have man. someone like walking for you? Or, like, how did you get <laughs> here? You right. You yeah. Shouldn't somebody else or... have walked into the office to tell Marty that he should start a board? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Should. Obviously didn't have a cell phone. I don't think on him either. Anyway, back to that. So you started with Ryland. I uh, worked there until what year you said? Oh, eight. Oh, eight. Yeah. Perfect time to uh, start your own company, sounds like. Yeah. You know, we were in such a great spot in the industry in 08, right? Uh, that I just figured, <laughs> hey, this has got to be the right time, right? Yeah, it was a, definitely a rough spot. Um, but, you know, it's it sort of worked out well. It got to be a time in the industry, you know, where I just started seeing more opportunities outside. I, I love my time at Ryland. I, you know, it was enjoyed a lot of years, made a lot of lifelong friends there. And, but it just seemed like the right time, you know, I was ready for sort of a next challenge. And, you know, the good news is, is we sort of figured out how to grow and how to thrive in a tough market, which has really yeah. sort of set us up for better success as the markets improve. So, and so Neil Interactive does what briefly uh, in totality? Quite a bit, yeah. right? Quite a bit. Yeah. We're web design and digital marketing is what we're known most for. No doubt. Got it. No doubt. And home home builder real estate specific or yes, I'm great. Should have clarified that a hundred percent. We work with the home building industry. There is the occasional exception where you have some clients that do sort of apartment management. Yeah, and that's real estate obviously because real estate related. Yeah. yeah, but primarily we're interested. You know, we're working with builders. Like we don't work with general brokerage companies. That kind of thing. That's a whole different animal. And um, I, I teasingly say you're a real company. We were talking about this offline before we started because you have an office where there is free coffee. Um, <laughs> where uh, unlike, do you convert? We're all remote all over the country. I think everyone is in a different state, even mm, uh, all 11 yeah, of us now yeah. in different locations. No one's in the same so, state. That's amazing that it's none pretty, of you guys uh, are in the same state. It's amazing that you have free coffee. I do miss that. <laughs> we're all, I think we're all one time zone except for Mike too. Right. We're all Eastern, oh. except Mike is one hour. That's all. Yeah. So that means the next two people we hire have to be in uh, mountain time or mm, Pacific. Got to yeah. pick some new time Pacific. zones for sure. Yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, I guess at least so, I still get to pick my own coffee like you guys do. Right. I still get to pick the coffee <laughs> that we have here at the office. <laughs> right. That's true. Right on. All right, Andrew, I'll let you transition over to, uh, so it's F8, right? Was the name of the conference? Yes. Okay, uh, Dennis, I was on the Instagram. I, I do follow you, which I, I definitely recommend others do. And I saw you're sure. at F8, and I was a little a little jealous, <laughs> which is that's Facebook's huge nerd conference. It is. Can you just do a quick intro on it? I've never been. Yeah, no. I definitely want to go, hopefully, sometime. If it makes sense. <sighs> it's uh it was it was great. Um I, I can so annual conference or almost annual. There have been years actually where they haven't done an F8. They call it F8 because because I wasn't sure about this, but they call it F8 because Facebook hackathons are notoriously eight hours long. So they started doing it as sort of like a invite, you know, when they were much smaller, you know, inviting people in for what they called an F8 and they would invite other developers Ah. to participate in the Facebook hackathons. Gotcha. And they would try to find leaks and their security and probably some type of reward or something. Yeah. Or they probably you, pick, found something, find the good developers and try to hire them basically. As I'm sure it's probably Recruiting what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. So they do good it idea. almost every year. I think almost always it's going to be held somewhere out 
towards Silicon Valley. You know, it was in San Jose this year. Sure. I've watched the keynotes and the recorded sessions for years online. Uh, you know, it's it's an application system, right? So you've got you've to fill out a form and say, hey, I'd like to go. And then they ask you a bunch of questions and then you cross your fingers. And every other year, I've gotten an email that said, hey, thanks for applying. Here's the link to watch the live stream. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, Constantly thanks. Surprised. I appreciate it. I was going to watch the live stream anyway, but oh well. This year, I got accepted. So it was very cool. It was just me. So I didn't have, unfortunately, an opportunity to get any other sort of tag along tickets for any of other members of the team. But mm. it was just me. San Jose It was a two day, two full days. Yeah. And they used the convention center in San Jose. And it is... Uh, Day starts the keynotes in the morning, and then they've got education sessions throughout the day, and they've got, you know, just a crazy number of people there that you get to talk to. I got to talk to some of the reps that I've talked to at Facebook on several occasions and finally got to meet them face to face. So it's uh, very cool. It's all coming back to me because it's been a little while since the conference now, about four weeks or so, right? But yeah. So you were mm-hmm. there when Zuckerberg said, so we don't have the best track record on privacy, expecting a joke, and then no one laughed. Did, did anyone <laughs> yeah, around like, you laugh? Ah. Or like what happened when you were, if you were actually there, I want to know. Yeah, I was sitting in the chairs during that keynote. Yeah, it was some like, like sort of like soft grumbles. He, he has difficulty pulling <laughs> off jokes, you know. <laughs> I think no matter what, you know, no matter what he means to do. And you can tell there's a lot of people that get up on stage there that, that represent Facebook. And, and I'm sure they have coaches, you know, helping people mm-hmm. um, present because mm-hmm. there's some of them that you can tell that listen very well to their coaches. And I'm not exactly sure if he doesn't listen or if he just he just can't get <laughs> coaches can't don't get apply to, to the big boy. I guess yeah. not. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. But, yeah, he, he has some trouble sort of uh, communicating, I think, on stage. So so it was a um, wide range of topics what would be like just a couple that you attended like the the name of the the set the sessions oh wow so i didn't get him with the name of the session so let's see so obviously, or not the exact name but you know like yeah. just something where it's like oh that's like really cool the the range of things that they they talked about they do talk about a huge number i can tell you that so that each day there's a keynote obviously the day one is where zuckerberg starts off on stage i guess probably big themes that i sort of followed and then sort of followed up yeah. with later on sessions was you know, his statement, uh, Zuckerberg made the statement, the future is private. And so that I think has probably got one big thing where he's clearly trying to address the whole privacy thing. That's interesting. Bad at making jokes. Mm-hmm. The rest of his presentation wasn't too bad. So that was a big one. I would say that I was really blown away by some of the stuff that they're doing around Messenger. And so I, hmm. I hit a lot of sessions on just sort of what the opportunities are for integration. So I, I give you one stat that stands out that each month right now, Consumers and businesses send between themselves 20 billion Facebook messages each month, right? So that is Mm -hmm. customers talking to businesses. And some of it could be businesses, you know, customers who have opted in to get like their receipts and things like that via Messenger. So there's some transactional things in there, but 20 billion. I knew it was going to be a lot, but I, I really just didn't sort of... That one I wasn't expecting for all. Yeah, and the initial question, obviously, that comes to mind is, and how many are completely ignored by those businesses <laughs> and never yeah. responded or to? Chatbot percent, if they, mm-hmm. but kind of the goal would be like, can you differentiate, sort of? Yeah, no, that's a but good yeah, point. That's, I don't. That's a lot. 
They might. And so that's interesting. I wonder if I didn't ask anybody that question, but they might actually be able to differentiate between bots and people, but they probably wouldn't publish that number if they had to. Yeah. It wouldn't be <laughs> quite as impressive. Exactly probably. right. Exactly right. Yeah. I will say that one of the things that they mentioned as well, that is uh, very specific to to the building industry is that the it, it had been in closed beta for probably a year, but they've been pushing chatbots for, I'd say, about three years. So one other event I was able to, I went to th- about three years ago was the Facebook Marketing Partners Conference. That was in San Francisco, I'm going to say it was maybe, maybe it was two and a half years ago. So there was mm-hmm. one, the first uh, first Facebook event that I was there where they were really really driving chatbots and sort of describing them as the future. This was a few years ago. And obviously, of course, we've seen a, a pretty good solid explosion of, of effective and non-effective chatbots. But for the last year, they've been piloting appointment booking in Messenger. So like being able to say, picking a time and choosing a date and then having a yeah. Messenger bot actually like create the event and send it to the calendar and then connect to the CRM for the business. And yep. very cool. Very cool. And they have now opened it up for use for everybody. So I'm sort of thinking, you know, I'm always trying to think about what are we going to try to play with next? And I feel like there's definitely opportunity there to make it easy for, you know, all the OSCs out there that are trying to set appointments. If they can set appointments and have that kind of thing sort of automatically happen through Messenger seems like a pretty cool opportunity. Well, it reduces the friction on the front end. I think if Mike or Jen were on the line right now, they would be quick to jump in and say that the automatic appointment that gets set from that still requires a human being to follow up and mm-hmm. confirm slash scrub that because, you know, someone who doesn't know what they're doing accidentally pushes the button or thinks mm-hmm. that you rent homes and don't <laughs> sell them, right? You still have totally. all these other things that you don't want them to just necessarily show up, but that is a Anything you can re- do to reduce the friction mm-hmm. to the customer is a, is a good thing. And so at least as an initial, grab them, get them in, and then you know, you're following up as a kind of a warm transfer to the online salesperson from that chat messenger scheduling interface. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely am going to also agree about the need to, you know, nothing should be able to replace the human sort of interaction, right? That sort of consciousness of like, well, let's make sure that they're actually trying to do what it is that we want to have our salesperson come into the office to meet with them for. So yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. When Zuckerberg says that the future is private, what does that mean for an advertiser slash home builder, do you think? It's still... Have we figured that out? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that we have. Uh, You know, that's... A little cryptic. It really is. And it's, it's tough to know, you know, and I... You know, I swear, I gotta. I really have to. Uh, as much as we're sort of, I was ragging on him a minute ago for, uh, you know, not not listening to his presentation, coach. <laughs> I feel for <laughs> the company, and you know, like just the scale at which the problems that they have to solve. You know, they're, like they're, you know, 1.8 billion users. That incredible amount. A whole section of the days were on like the number. It's it's some ridiculous number, like 600 languages. and st- One of the slides that you took a picture of was the AI making decisions yeah. like 4 oh, trillion yeah. times a day or some crazy. Yeah, I want to say maybe it was, maybe it was 40. Was it? it was huge, right? Un- incredible numbers, right? Like they're just even doing things like, you know, that 
I'm sure that probably includes like, you know, like suggesting the next word in your messenger conversation, right? So that's sort of just general predictive mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, I mean, they went... And at least 2 trillion of them are, do you convert AI Facebook ads and Instagram ads? That's right. right. At Which least. You should at see least. it based upon... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they... It's just an incredible scale. I mean, like the, the, they're doing those kind of predictive things, you know, the number of users, it's, it's hundreds of languages. They support like 60 different scripts. So not just like Latin characters like we use in the U.S., but, you know, all around the world, they use characters other than our alphabet. Mm. So, I mean, for them to be able to not only support all of those things, but then be able to identify like against, you know, like conduct that is not part of their terms of service, mm-hmm. right? Like or their terms of use, to be able to identify that in hundreds of languages and, and 80 different scripts. I mean, and then like compare languages back and forth. It's the the size at which they have to solve problems is just sort of incredible to me. I mean, it's, and I don't think I really grasped that until I was there. And then on top of that, have this subjective viewpoint on censorship. Yes. Depending on like tying all that into that, what's okay to be on Facebook Mm -hmm. on top of making it an algorithm that scales to United States law. Yeah. You know, law in this country, law in this country. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Mark has a very difficult, job. He really does. I mean, and how do you please well, all I, don't, people? I don't want to you give can't. him any excuses for it because no. it's no. very clear mm-hmm. that all waffle related content should simply be removed uh, yeah. from the platform because <laughs> that true. is offensive to uh, me. Like uh, algorithm would find that in an uh, image. Like, I guess, but I, I think to circle back to privacy and what he's talking about there, I still think for sure. Do I think if Facebook and Instagram could figure out a way to make money through transactions, you know, mm-hmm. working on their own currency. If they can find other ways to make money, I think if it was similarly profitable, they'd love to dump and just be like, hey, you know what? Shop closed. No mm-hmm. more advertising mm-hmm. based upon consumer content or, or intent. Um, only what, you know, they're willingly searching for within the app or whatever. I think they'd be happy to make that change if they could, but I think that's a ways away. I would agree with and, that. Yeah. And in the interim, I still go back to, if you put something on Facebook, who are you expecting it to be private from? Yeah. Private from Russia. Okay, I grant you that, right? Mm-hmm. You get hacked and all the data is released. That's that's a different thing. But I, that's not the type of – when people are saying privacy, I don't I don't even know that – it's not just Mark and us who don't know what they, he means by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> They don't know what It's they literally mean. like everyone who's having this conversation is – Facebook has a privacy issue. Define that, and that's right? Where, and then you ask them to define what that means, right? And it's it's tough. Well, I don't want to see these political ads or these other... Well, that's not privacy. Yeah. That is you choosing who you were connected to in the beginning yeah. or controlling yeah. maybe that privacy. But I think this kind of shifts into the group push. Mm. So there's privacy was one big push and mm-hmm. talk. Another was more communication at the group level. Mm-hmm. And I'll set the table and then I'll let you kind of go from there. I I think what's interesting to think about is there's certain types of things that I would want to be a group of Mm. a market proof marketing, Facebook group, for example, I would (laughs) definitely love to be part of that group. I would like to be part of the pancake group. Mm. I would like to be part of groups that are long-term interests of mine. Hmm. I have very little interest and this might be my age, but I have very little interest in joining a how to find the best deal on buying a mattress Facebook group mm. or agree. Yeah. looking for a home in Columbus, Ohio, Facebook group. That's where I don't, I'm kind of wondering if, if anything they talked about or showed kind of translate that as, as home builders, is there a group that makes sense for us? Do you think that we're missing or for builders to start their own 
how mm-hmm. to shop for a home. I just, I'm just, I'm totally brainstorming, thinking out loud, rambling at this point. But any, yeah. anything spark you there? You know, in terms of a a good group, I don't think so. At least nothing has come to mind for me either, because just like you say, this is not a, you know, purchasing a home is is not something that the average person does on a regular basis, right? You normally these are long term decisions. And these are sort of instantly as, you know, uh, as he, Zuckerberg let off with his whole statement about the future being private, you know, he immediately jumped into, you know, driving more people into groups and then driving more people into messages, right? So private conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's when he talked about things like end-to-end encryption and reduced permanence, right? So those are the ephemeral ads are the ones that were sort of the content that you share that disappears for everyone, like. Instagram stories and Facebook stories that mm-hmm. only last for a period of time. And then, of course, obviously driving into groups. And his comment was, as well, the groups are, have also been transitioned to end-to-end encryption, which means no one, unless you're an approved member of that group, can, can even see the content, even if they manage to hack, right? So there's, there's sort of that end-to-end piece where even if you got into Facebook servers, you couldn't actually understand what was being shared in there. Yeah. So I'm thinking immediately, like, well, okay, now that you're going to have billions of conversations that you know, you have no way to, to get sort of contextual information from, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and spoiler, mm-hmm. spoiler, 20 minutes in, but this is going to be a definitely a more technology focused episode <laughs> than, than others. All right. So you invite but, a nerd on the program. Like the, that's what you get, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the ephemeral nature of Instagram stories though, if that content wasn't still there, like my wife would be much less likely to use Instagram stories if she couldn't still go back in her own account Mm -hmm. and pull those back in and view them, uh, organize them into categories or groupings for her profile page. Mm -hmm. So while they're temporary for the public to see, they still pose a huge privacy issue of that's all still held. And so I think there's just, there's a lot of messiness still in what they're talking about. Back to groups. Mm -hmm. I have a theory. You tell me what you think. I think they're going to create more, dynamically like i'm going to join groups i don't even know that i'm a part of Mm. it might start to say you know what we've just noticed that you have a lot of family members and we're just we've created like we have an oakley family facebook group Mm. private where we when someone goes on vacation we don't want to throw it to the world to see but everyone in our family wants to see we throw it there Hmm. i wonder if there will be more dynamically created groups that still have that type of encryption but it is now here's my family here's the people in a region that i tend to interact with Hmm. And there will be less of a feed and more of a hopping in and out of both truly static. I chose to go to that group and just, I want to go to this part of town that Facebook has organized for me. I think it's genius. They should do it. It feels almost like (laughs) if you think back to like message message boards, like VBulletin or Mm -hmm. PHPBB, like before Facebook was the thing to do, you'd hop from message board to message board, Mm -hmm. depending on your your interest and those have kind of faded away because Facebook, they're still there obviously, but yeah, you know, much more you go on social now. It's all out there. And I wonder though, like, I feel like the way most users sort of interact with social is, well, so it's sort of, you know, it could be sort of correlated towards sort of the Google Facebook sort of differentiation, right? So you're very intent based in, in what we think about mm-hmm. when we think of Google users. I'm going to look for mattresses, like your example. I think a lot of people like social because it lets them like, like almost like lean back and just like enjoy the show. You know what I mean? Like, I, like mm-hmm. it, they're trusting whatever channel they're using to sort of drive the entertainment. 
And maybe that is exactly what you mentioned is the groups, them just sort of auto adding you to groups that they think you're going to be interested in. And they may not even call them groups. It's just, Uh we've just noticed that you tend to interact with these people who work for home builders. So we're just creating this place you go Hmm. group or no group by name where you talk to other home builders. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know how that works. The only thing from a marketer's, how do I hack that is those groups are creating relationships Mm -hmm. where then if someone in that group is buying a home Mm -hmm. or thinking of selling may go off topic within that group and just say, Hey, I'm thinking about moving. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have a builder that they would trust in this part of town or know of new home communities here? Maybe that's all that we haven't. We just need a plant in each one of the groups, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> a right. bot. That's right. Undercover bot. <laughs> you know, so I can share one other thing that comes to mind when we think about like, how do we, how is Facebook going to be able to monetize, you know, more and more private conversations? One, I think that, you know, just like you mentioned with the currency, I think they're going to be looking for other ways to, other ways to make money than, than just their current advertising channels is probably still advertising, but other ways to make money too. But one of the things that they announced was what they called, my note was sketchy, so I don't have the, I'm pretty sure they called it shopping for creators. So I'm sure you've seen, like you go through Instagram and you'll see, you know, like a a shirt or shoes or something like that. And you've got like a shop now Mm -hmm. button on it, right? What they've enabled influencers to do, I think the brands still have to approve it. But you could have like, you know, a fashion model, I guess Mm -hmm. would be the right word. I was about to use icon, but I think this sometimes seems a little overkill, right? But you can have like a fashion model whose Instagram account is well followed and they can be wearing shoes, clothes, whatever. And then they can actually link to those brands pages for people to be able to purchase it. Now, this isn't an ad, right? So it's not like there was, you know, some... Burberry ad that's trying to sell you a coat, but instead it's just a, it's a random fashion, you know, influencer that somebody follows Mm -hmm. and they're wearing a Burberry coat and you click on it and then you can go to the Burberry site and buy it. And then those Instagram creators receive a commission. So like, that's a way that they're enabling people that you're connected to, to actually advertise to you, not brands. Right. So these are like, it's not like Burberry is buying the ad, right? Cause that would be a privacy issue. If this is a person yeah. that you've already chosen to follow, it's, it's not, they're not selling your information to advertisers at this point. You say, I like this person. I'm friends with them. I follow them. Likelihood is, is that you might like what they wear if they're a fashion person. So they can be able to now, they got a way to reach you with advertising. That's not selling your information to somebody else. So I think, I think, well, maybe we can see something like that for homes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, So kind of what you're describing is what House does. If you, you know, I've got pulled open a Krauss Oleto single handle pull down faucet with a Mm. chrome finish, $149.95 that I can order from someone directly. (laughs) But then in the corner, kind of in reverse, this would be in reverse of what you're describing. There are rooms with the same or similar products of just kitchens that have been uploaded by anyone. Mm -hmm. And whether through computer vision or tagging, Someone has said this is a Krause Aletto single pull faucet. And so what you're kind of saying is the reverse. It would be the kitchen photo. And then, oh, by the way, there's this faucet in there or this dress that this person is wearing. And it kind mm-hmm. of just becomes a store without making you go somewhere else or. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, your, your friend place. could post a photo of their newly remodeled kitchen 
And you'd be like, oh, that's a cool faucet. And you'd click on it and it would take you to the Amazon where you can go buy it. I mean, that's like now we've got like in a completely different level of product placement possibilities. Now think yeah, about and, and other levels of nightmare. Everywhere. Yeah, other levels, uh, other levels of a nightmare for a marketer in that mm. my mind quickly went to, wouldn't it be awesome if every Heartland homeowner who took a picture in mm. their Heartland home, if it was able to be identified as such, the advertiser could somehow have that hover over like this is a Heartland home or mm-hmm. some note to that. And then I could start exploring where Heartland currently builds and what historical homes were Heartland. And mm-hmm. anyway. yeah. I mean, it could be sort of that opportunity for, you know, the average consumer to actually maybe even benefit from ads. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, like a different sort of version of the old Google AdSense, which I think might still be around where they used to let, you know, anybody could just add ads to their website and make a couple pennies every time mm-hmm. somebody clicked. So it's sort of sure. like that, but now you're just basically monetizing your own Facebook posts and Instagram stories for a couple pennies here or there. Man. Mm. So turning everyone into an influencer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm not I'm sure I, I'm ready for less influencers and less of these <laughs> uh, jokers could, around there trying to, I could see that it could pay for, <laughs> didn't uh, Facebook kicked around the idea of a membership monthly yes. fee? Well, mm-hmm. they do, they do in their quarterly reports. They talk about basically a revenue per user revenue per user. Then, exactly. Which is mm-hmm. what they would need to uh, have charge per user to have the same equivalent mm-hmm. income. And so it's not that much. So you could have your, no, it's, it's actually not that crazy at all. Under $50 per, a year, you, I think, is, or $50 a quarter, yeah. maybe, something mm. like that. And there's your private ad-free version. And then you could put ads on your own mm. profile, yeah, and then you, you pay for your uh, membership fee. Yeah, you could sell your mm-hmm. own ads, and the other people could pay, so, for, your, pay for your quarterly subscription. <laughs> not enough users have clicked on your ads, so you owe us $50 this quarter. You owe us money. Right. Yeah. Your account You're will be terminated. falling short again. Yeah, it's not a problem that's going to go away. And I think the the whole sort of definition of privacy is is where so much of it gets challenging when people say, well, you know, I didn't, I, I shared this, but I didn't know it was going to go there too. You know, like, well, I only shared it with these people, but, but they took a screenshot of it and shared it mm-hmm. with somebody else. You know, there's sort of these unrealistic that's expectations true. of privacy that like, that's like saying like, well, I just told my one friend, I didn't tell them they could tell everybody else. So <laughs> whose fault is that? You know what I mean? But right. it, it happens. I mean, it's like, unless mm-hmm. you, unless you, there's no way you can completely lock it down. So yep. I think it's, uh, we've got this unrealistic expectation that technology is actually supposed to be better than humans. And I, I don't necessarily know that it is in terms of accountability. No. You know, it only does what people tell it to do. So the good thing is there, is true. there is so much of the marketing world right now that uh, can feel stagnant. I'm not saying it is, but for those of us or or those of you listening who might not be as involved in the day-to-day. You're kind of like, yeah, things are kind of generally the same. I mean, we might have smarter chat on our site or, but gener- like mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram in particular are going to keep live, our lives interesting for, for many, many more years to come with lots of changes coming down the pike, no doubt. I would agree. It's impressive really how much they constantly are changing. I mean, if you think about how often Facebook changes things to the point where people don't like it, but they do it because they're trying not to be replaced yeah. by somebody who's moving faster than they are. And in the in the news segment, we'll talk briefly about the fact that a lot of these tech companies are potentially being looked at antitrust issues being broken up. And so, like, game on. If, if Instagram suddenly becomes its own company a year from now, because they are, they do say, mm-hmm. look at that and say, hey, you can't have all these things connected. 
uh, in that way mm-hmm. is you just kill competition. Like if Instagram and Facebook both became competitors, that could be, mm. that could make life really interesting for marketers and open up a whole bunch of new opportunities because yeah. they're each going to have to go on their own hunt for revenue uh, too. So uh, one more tackle note to that, which would make that really interesting if that's what the, uh, the antitrust uh, tries to do. Uh, one of the things that they announced at F8 was that they are merging messaging between Facebook Messenger, Instagram DMs, and WhatsApp. Yeah. So they're all oh essentially, my. you're going to be able to, like, no matter what app you use, you're going to be able to message other people. And you use the app of your choice, and they use the app of their choice. So they are deeply, deeply, yep. deeply integrating. The and I think that's a race platforms. to prevent the ability to break it up later, one. Mm, and two, yeah. make sure that... Whoever gets left with whatever piece, if a breakup does happen, which I still don't know that it will, but if it ever did, if you have all of the user data from all those essentially available to all others, Mm. everyone has a fair shot now. Mm. So it's not like WhatsApp or, you know, Mm. just in terms of if I can communicate with an Instagram user, even if I don't have an Instagram account, all those platforms Mm -hmm. have to have a total awareness of all users too. So it's not like people who right. killed their Facebook account and are now only on Instagram. Instagram would have an advantage potentially in today's world if it got spun out on mm. its own because of perception and actual usage being what it is. Yeah. Whereas anyway, let's leave uh, social media land and, and talk just for a few more minutes about data and maybe even privacy from a different perspective. And that is websites. You, you mentioned that O'Neill mm. is, is a web development company as well as doing digital marketing for home builders. Most people think that means we have to talk about design and UI and mobile and all the rest. I just, I kind of want to just pick your brain a little bit more on the data side. Uh, obviously, there's Google Analytics mm-hmm. uh, that gives us a lot of good information. There's, there's data in your CRM when people become a lead. But some of the mm-hmm. interesting things that I've heard you talk about are kind of this, these middle steps or, or pieces that are, are not as easy to view or just kind of forgotten uh, in terms of opportunity potentially for data on a, on a builder's site. What give us some examples of what you mean by that? Yeah, happy to. It's um, a lot of this started and just one step back and uh, the, you know, just like you guys were talking about, you know, the pages per visit and time on site and, you know, sort of traffic volume sessions versus new versus you, you know, you're sort of, new versus uh, repeat visitors, right? So you're talking about sort of these common metrics that Google Analytics brings to the top for everybody. And these are, these are good metrics, right? These are good ways to evaluate how things are going. But I will say that, you know, over many, many, many years of talking to builders, both internally and externally about these numbers, you know, a lot of, it's, it's a little bit harder for everyone, especially anybody that's not a marketer, to connect these numbers to anything. Right. Like they they say, okay, that's great. But what does that tell me? I still didn't have enough people in my sales office Mm -hmm. last week. Right. Or uh, traffic is still down in there. So we're trying to over the years think about, well, what what could we present data wise that would be a bit more effective? And that's, you know, sort of one of our internal sort of guiding Mm -hmm. principles is, is that we really are looking to try to help create marketing leaders within organizations, right? we're trying to help marketers. Yeah. We're really trying to help marketers become a powerful, important and and influential person in their organization because we believe that they should be. And and a lot of them are, and sometimes they just have trouble (laughs) sort of representing their value. I did a talk, (laughs) the very first online summit five or five years ago, I think, 
was just talking with someone last week and they're like, you know, five years ago, I saw you talk for the first time and I didn't really know who you were, but your opening slide was a black and white photo of firefighters putting out a car fire. And you said, <laughs> this is not a marketer's job. And he's like, you had, you had mm. me a firefighter. Like you're not a firefighter. So yeah. that's, that's right on the money. Yeah, that's your right. So, so many are like sort of trained to, to respond to what everybody else says. Like, oh, I don't have enough. I didn't get any traffic this weekend. So you're, you know, not doing what you're supposed to do. And, and then everybody sort of is, is in reaction mode instead of being proactive. So we really look at data and try to think, okay, well, what kind of, what, what can we arm, you know, our marketing leaders with that will help them not only do a better job proactively, but also help them communicate what they do to others in their organization. And most of the others in the organization do not care that pages per visit are up 25% month over month, right? Like that, that does not make a difference to them in their daily life. So we look at data and, and over time, and you know, we're always trying to build a sort of a, a more perfect version of our vision. But, you know, we like to take the data and the activity that we have from a builder's website and be able to produce market-related information. So being able to say, okay, over the last seven days, out of all the listings on your website, you've got homes that range from you know, 2,100 square feet to 3,700 square feet. And here in this spot is the hot spot of interest over the last seven days. And over the last seven days, you got prices from this point to this point, and then this is the hot spot of interest. This is your peak. And reporting on more popular communities or plans, trying to give them information that helps them understand not how people are interacting with their website, but how people are interacting with their homes for sale. So to sort of help give them more market level information as opposed to website level information. And it's really taking the same kind of principles, but just sort of applying them directly to the products, you know, making sure that we're tracking the attributes that we should be tracking instead of things just like time on site. And we have found that, you know, the, the response has always been very positive in terms of how these things work together mm -hmm. to sort of bring opportunities and insights to the surface that otherwise just would Okay, so I got to come up with a better name because I don't like calling myself skeptical. <laughs> but do you, do you see kind of surprising things come out there or is it, Hey, most of the people who come to my site want the cheapest thing I have. Is it, is it kind of not always in that kind of lowest common denominator type of takeaway that you find any, any ideas or examples of, or, or just even generally speaking, yes, that is, it is not always what yeah. you would expect. It's a great question. And you're right. It, it is actually not always what you would expect. You know, we definitely see. I would say on average, I'm just thinking of the last one that I looked at, you know, of a price graph from zero to one, the hotspot was at like seven. So it wasn't all the way down at the bottom. You know, it wasn't yeah. always just all the traffic at the low end of the site. So it was definitely something there. And I see them move, you know, so sometimes it has to do with, you know, opening a new community or closing mm -hmm. one. Sometimes it has to do with a new product offering or yeah. potentially maybe where they drove, spent money to drive traffic to a particular yep. region. So all of those things sort of change this activity. But what I think is important is, is that we're thinking of analytics in the sense of, you know, homes for sale and not analytics in the sense Page, of right, pages. pages. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think yeah. that's awesome. And yeah. you're right there. There's so many mm -hmm. things that can mm -hmm. go into how that's viewed is, is if you're forcing 
traffic towards an area, that's obviously going to show up, but it would be consistent then. And then you would be able to know the impact potentially of, of what that advertising is doing. But also if you're Mm -hmm. the type of marketer who says, I don't like to show price points in my paid search or social ads, (laughs) then I have a hunch that the, your data would show more often that it, it goes towards that lower end of the price pool. Whereas if all mm-hmm. the ads are showing are helping qualify those consumers by saying, Hey, we, we build homes from the 400s to the 600s. Then I would be less surprised mm-hmm. when you say like it, the, the big red middle part or that the hot, hot spot, so to speak is in the 550 to, to 590 range. Then I'm less surprised about that, but it, it does, there, there's obviously a lot that goes into how that needs to be analyzed and calculated, but that's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. We're really sort of excited about taking that, some of that data even to the next level where we're working on um, making it easier to see sort of longer term historical changes right? and sort of like being able to go back now and go, okay, well, this was my last seven days, but what does it look like every week for the last year and a half? Mm-hmm. You know, are we seeing any major swings in, in the consumers that are visiting our site? You know, are we getting people that are looking for more homes in this particular region of our market? You know, is, is we might not feel it that way in the sales, but maybe the website activity is telling us that more people are interested in this region than we're, and maybe we're not looking at enough land in that region. So really trying to make that kind of data help builders get some leading insight into what's happening in their market. And obviously it's going to be in the hands of those marketing leaders within their organizations. They're going to be able to, they're going to be the ones that are going to be able to share the data. Get the data, tell a good story with it. That's how you, that's how you get transformation and change to happen for sure. We lost Andrew about three minutes ago because he had to hop onto a Facebook or a call (laughs) with our Facebook informant on Uh, the inside, uh, hmm. right, right across the (laughs) hall from Zuckerberg. So He's not here to say goodbye, but thanks so much for joining us. Next time you will be a second time caller, long time listener. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having me. I know we've been talking about getting together for a while. I'm glad we finally got to, uh, to get it on the calendar. And and I'm, we are excited to have uh, you and the O'Neill team join us at the Online Sales and Marketing Summit Very excited in Chicago, which is sold out. I know broken hearts everywhere. It is sold out. Uh, you can still join the wait list and, and hope that other people end up not being able to make it. But we will see you and the rest of the team there. Thanks again. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. And it's also the best way to find out how to connect with all of the Do You Convert team on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the like. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.